Thanks to Harry's for supporting The Motley Fool. Get your free trial set, including a razor handle, five-blade cartridge, and shave gel. Go to harrys.com slash fool. It's the Rule Breaker Investing Podcast with Motley Fool co-founder David Gardner. Welcome back to Rule Breaker Investing. I'm David Gardner. Thanks for joining in with me on this eventful week. Well, every week is eventful, really, if you cast your net wide enough. But for us and for this podcast, it's been particularly eventful because of a funny thing that happened this Monday morning. So, last week, I shared with you five great stocks you've never heard of. Now, maybe you'd heard of one or two of them. If you're a Rule Breakers member or a Stock Advisor member, you might have even known all five. But I submitted to you last week, most of the world doesn't know most of these companies, and that was part of the allure. As it turns out, one of those companies apparently somebody took a shine to because on Monday of this week it got bought out, or at least it was announced that Orbital ATK, which is one of the five great stocks you've never heard of from last week, is going to apparently be purchased by Northrop Grumman, the very large U.S. based aerospace and defense company. And that's funny for a couple of reasons. The f- well, actually, you know what? I want to spend a little bit of time and excerpt. Two things that were said from last week's podcast, and my talented producer, Rick Engdahl, is going to make this happen. I hope I'm going to try to speak to both of them right now. He's going to excerpt what I said last week. The first thing I was talking about last week was right at the end of the show where I said. Now, usually I like to close each week by telling you what we're going to do next week, but I don't really know what we're going to do next week right now. I'm going to dream it up sometime between now and then. I'll. So, it's true, I didn't really know what to talk about it. But the other thing that I said last week was in reference to how it's not uncommon these days, now that I've picked over 200 stocks that are actively recommended when you add together both Motley Fool Stock Advisor and my work there and Motley Fool Rule Breakers, when you add those up, you get about 210 companies. And even though I add three new picks every single month going forward, I was talking about how we're at more of a steady state than you might think. We have about 210 companies in the Supernova universe. 210 companies that I have actively recommended, that I do actively recommend today. This is like this is the universe from which I do all of my work, and it represents all the sum total of all my picks in Stock Advisor and Rule Breakers over the years, the ones that are still active. So, about 210 today, which is a big, healthy, robust number. It's not going to grow that much more because the list is large enough and has enough tenure that these days when I pick a new stock, which I do every month, actually I pick three, two in Rule Breakers and one in Stock Advisor. When I pick three new stocks a month, well, from 10 years ago, there will be a pick that we still hold, but maybe it gets bought out by somebody else. And so, while we roll some new ones on, some old ones come off. And so, it's a fairly steady state around 200 companies. And so, sure enough, yep, when you keep picking stocks, over the course of time, you grow your universe, but at a certain point, it hits its maturity like a good wine. And at that point, every new thing you add, chances are something else might disappear. And that's exactly what happened. It's funny now to think about how I was talking about 10 years or so, and that was exactly the number of years ago that I picked Orbital ATK for Motley Fool Rule Breakers. So, even that number was a little magical. So, those two things, those two excerpts you just heard, came together in my head and inspired me to realize that we should talk some about that this week's podcast. This week's podcast should be about buyouts. That's what it's going to be about, and now you know why.
So, over the course of this potentially rather digressive podcast, we're going to cover a number of things in or related to buyouts. We're going to talk about a board game, one of my favorite board games. I'm going to break that down a little bit for you. I'm going to talk a little bit more about the particulars of this company. We're going to use some inductive reasoning, and we're going to think about what gets bought out. That's the meat of this week's podcast, really. And then, We'll provide examples throughout, maybe a few more thoughts at the end about buyouts. So that's where we're headed, all inspired by Northrop Grumman deciding to buy out a stock just four days after I talked about it on this podcast. And so let's start off this week then by reviewing briefly the particulars of Orbital ATK. So the ticker symbol OA, as I mentioned last week, it was a stock I first recommended in Motley Fool Rule Breakers in August of 2007. So here we are 10 years and one month later. The stock as of last week's podcast was at 108. News started breaking Sunday night. Some stories started coming out suggesting this buyout might be imminent. And sure enough, Monday morning it was announced, and the stock moved from about 110 to about 132, where it closed Monday. So up 20%, just over 20% in one day. And the plan eventually is for this stock, which closed again around 132. That's where it's trading these days, if you go and quote OA. But the actual buyout price is supposed to be $134.50, and it's not supposed to take place the buyout until early next year. And let me just give you a little bit more about why those numbers would make sense before we get into a board game and inductively reasoning about buyouts. So, companies that get bought out, the buyout never happens right away. So, the announcement happens, but then there's going to be a number of sometimes hurdles or other steps that have to happen before a stock actually gets acquired. You need to have um, some sometimes regulators look at this and determine whether or not this is um, going to create monopolistic conditions. And if so, often the government might strike down that possibility. That sometimes happens. It's, it's rare, uh, but um, it is unlikely to happen here. But then there's also just the this won't be consummated till next year. So even though the price will be $134.50, and by the way, it's all cash. So if you own Orbital ATK, you're going to be getting paid all cash by Northrop Grumman, a very large company that can afford it. But you're going to have to wait in between now and then for that. So if the stock's at about $132.50 today, that means over the course of the next, let's just make it up because no one really knows the date. Let's just say it's going to be sometime in March. So over the next roughly six months, you're going to be there if you want to holding the stock. And there needs to be some reward for that, right? Even though we know the stock will be bought at $134.50, there's some time value of money here. There are some things that could go wrong. You never quite know what will happen in the world. So, the market, all of us, we're unwilling to bid the stock up right to the exact price it will be bought out, even though that's imminent. So, you have to ask yourself, and for most of us, I know the answer. You're going to have to ask yourself, do you want to leave your money invested for the next six months? Watching a stock go from 132 to 134, which schoolboy math suggests is less than a 2% return over half a year. And I think most of us would recognize that's not a great investment. Now, if you for some reason think the market's going to crash or you just want really, really safe money, you could basically lock in that less than 2% return with that money. Uh, but for most of us, we'll probably exit earlier than that. We've not made any official announcements at Motley Fool Rule Breakers. We never feel rushed in these cases. We like to actually research, look into it a little bit more. But probably, if history is any sign, we'll likely exit it before uh, that $134.50 next year. 
So, thus much about the particulars of this buyout. Worth delving into again, just because I had only mentioned it less than a week ago on this podcast. So, it was funny to see that happen. And if anybody bought, uh, does anybody actually act on the things I say in this podcast? If anybody had, congratulations, sir or ma'am. You've done really well. That's a 20% gain in less than a week. Doesn't happen every week, that's for sure. Doesn't happen with most stocks. But I mentioned one of my favorite board games, and longtime Rule Breaker Investing listeners know that I love board games. And I wanted to talk about buyouts in the context of this board game. So this is going to be a little bit whimsical. This might be a flight of fancy. This could all end horribly because I'm going to attempt to explain using this audio medium how a board game works, and then try to pull us back into our actual conversation. Again, I hope this doesn't end badly. So, one of my favorite board games is the game of Acquire. Acquire is a decades old game. It was developed by an American game designer named Sid Saxon, who had many great games to his name. Sid is no longer with us. He lived a wonderful long life, designed many fine games. But Acquire may be his true classic. One of my favorite websites, BoardGameGeek.com, which has a page for every single board game ever created. It's a pretty good source of information on all things board games. Suggests that Acquire was, in fact, published in 1964. So here we come up on more than 50 years of gaming. And I'm slightly more than 50 years old myself. I bet I'm speaking to some people who've played Acquire at some point over these last 50 years. The game of Acquire, I'll attempt to do this in 90 seconds or less. The game of Acquire is a tile laying game. So you have a board in front of you. And you're given kind of like Scrabble. You have your own tile rack with tiles on it. But instead of having letters like Scrabble has, this actually has the coordinates on the map where you'll be placing this tile. So it might say something like C7. So you go kind of column C, row 7, and that's where that tile is going to be placed. And you kind of like Scrabble, you have a number of tiles in front of you that you'll be placing. And when you place a tile, you'll replace it. By taking one of the face down tiles in the general pool. And we'll we'll do that. We'll kind of you're at the table with me and we're each kind of playing a tile, seeing where it is on the board. But what we're actually doing in the classic theming of Acquire is we're actually building hotel chains. So we're kind of expanding. So if I place a tile down on C seven, you place one down on C eight, you just grew the size of the hotel that I started building. And where Acquire gets more interesting is that we can take stock ownership in each of these hotel chains as they're being built out on the board. And there's, I think, six of them. So, after you place your tile, you have one more choice. Would you like to, assuming you have some cash, would you like to buy some shares of the company, uh, of one of the companies on the board? And so, over the course of the game, we're co-creating, it's a tile-laying game, like Scrabble, we're co-creating a board full of tiles, but the board itself is made up of corporations that we're also taking part ownership in. And when they buy each other out, after all, the name of the game is Acquire, when they buy each other out, we will be getting paid back out as shareholders, lucky shareholders, when our hotel chain got bought out by a smaller one. Or, when our big hotel chain bought out somebody else's, will benefit as the stock grows with the size of the company. So, that's 90 seconds or so on the game of Acquire. I love the game because I like tile-laying games. There are many of them. Again, for those of us in the United States of America, we think about classic parlor games. Scrabble is the first tile-laying game most of us would recognize. We wouldn't really use the phrase tile-laying to describe Scrabble, usually. But once you start thinking in board game terms and 
taxonomically, as we categorize games, we would say, yes, Scrabble's a tile-laying game. So, by the way, is Acquire. And then there's a wonderful game that I think of as a tile-laying game called Tigris and Euphrates by the great game designer and friend of The Motley Fool, Reiner Knizia. That's also a tile-laying game. And frankly, there are dozens, in fact, there are hundreds and hundreds of tile-laying games these days that you can buy. Many of them unknown by most, some of them actually quite good. So, that's the tile-laying board game genre. Now, as we start to return back to the actual subject at hand. So, one of the best ploys in the board game of Acquire, arguably the surest path to victory, is looking at the board, looking at some of the smaller hotel chains, and buying up lots of shares of those smaller hotel chains. Because the way the game works, when someone lays a tile that connects what had been a free-floating, independent little hotel chain, connects it to a much bigger one right next to it. When you place the tile, we'll just call it D7, that connects C7 and C8, which was a small hotel, with something right next to it, that creates a merger. And the people who owned a lot of shares of that small C7, C8, two-tile hotel chain are going to get bought out at a premium at that point. So, all of a sudden, they're going to get a lot more cash. And that's really helpful. Not only did they get a big return, but they have a, they're now flush with cash, allowing them to go on and buy even more shares later in the game. So, this is a great strategy for the, for the game of Acquire. And this is often the way to think about corporate buyouts and what happens for you and me as individual investors when our companies get bought out. What typically happens is that the smaller company, in this case, Orbital ATK, rises substantially on a given day in a very short-term way, because the big dog, in this case, Northrop Grumman, that bought them out, kind of has to offer a premium, has to attract shareholders to say, yes, I will vote for this merger. That's another thing, by the way, that has to happen between now and next year. Shareholders actually have to formally approve Orbital ATK being bought out by Northrop Grumman. And the best way to do that, if you're Northrop Grumman, the acquisitor, is to offer a really sweet price. So that's what happened with Orbital ATK, and that's what happens in the game of Acquire. So you might wonder, hey, it seemed to work with Orbital ATK. Is this a good investment approach? Is this a new strategy? Should David on his podcast or the Motley Fool at large, should there be some new emphasis or focus specifically on buyouts? They're exciting. They hit the news. You get a big premium here. It was about 20%. Sometimes we've seen premiums up to almost 100%. Sometimes you can double your money in a single day, it would seem, if you were to focus on this form of investing. And we don't focus on this form of investing. I don't do it here on this podcast. We don't do it at The Motley Fool, for reasons that are worth briefly mentioning. Number one, you're going to be best invested by just looking for quality, things of great value, and just buying them and holding them anyway. If somebody else decides later on that they're worth even more than the market was charging, then good for you and good for me, we end up getting a buyout. But it's not a strategy, in our experience, to specifically target buyouts. Now, you hear investment bankers do this. People at Goldman Sachs, they love this. This is how a lot of the investment banking world works. They're the ones pitching companies on being bought out or becoming acquisitors. That's the excitement, if you will, of investment banking. But for those of us who are just kind of passively holding 
We help growing ownership interest stakes as we add to our positions over time. It's not really a strategy to try to know or go for which ones are going to get bought out. I had no idea last week when I talked about five great stocks you've never heard of. I had no expectation that any of them would be bought anytime soon, let alone four days after the podcast. So it's not really a strategy. With that said, as I talked about earlier, this is a week about buyouts. So I want to share with you some thoughts about what types of things tend to get bought out. And the exploration we're about to head on together involves my favorite form of reasoning, and that is inductive reasoning. Now, the opposite of inductive reasoning is deductive reasoning. I've definitely talked about things on this podcast before, how to think about things. In the first year of Rule Breaker Investing, I know I did a podcast on ways to think. So we're we're headed back there briefly right now. So most people think like Sherlock Holmes. They think you have to deduce things. And as a stock market investor, that might mean that you think you should be screening. You should screen for stocks. You should start with a few traits and start with all of the stocks in the market and then let's deduce down Let's filter down to the things that we're looking for. If you're Sherlock Holmes, you're filtering all the way down and deducing who done it, with what, where. As an investor, you might say, well, this screen has now kicked me out eight stocks, and you focus your research there. You're deducing from all of the things down to a few of the things and focusing on those. I prefer to do inductive reasoning when I do my stock research, which is, Let's look at one thing. Let's just start with a few things, and then let's try to notice some traits or things that they share, and let's go up from there. Let's let's start to study and think about the world based on looking really hard at one thing and generalizing some about that one thing. So that's what we're going to do this week. I've got five traits that I see in Orbital ATK that probably made it attractive to Northrop Grumman, but we're going to use those and generalize and use some more examples about some other companies that also might have such traits. So that's where I'm headed with this week's exploration into inductive reasoning as applied to buyouts. All right, but before we start the list, ever heard of Harry's? Harry's is the shaving company that's fixing shaving. Unlike the big brands that might be accused occasionally of over-designing and these things might well be related overcharging, Harry's aims for a high-quality shave made by real guys for real guys. And by doing so much of its sales online, Harry's is able to shave away excess costs and offer their high-quality products at a price every guy can get behind. Now That doesn't mean these products act or look cheap. Harry's also has a team of over 600 expert designers, craftsmen, chemists, and engineers building its products from the finest materials and ingredients using an exacting production process to ensure they deliver exceptional performance. In fact, Harry's is so confident you're going to love their blades, they're giving you their trial set for free. You just covered the $3 of shipping. So get started shaving with Harry's today by claiming your free trial offer. That's a $13 value for free for you, with you just covering the $3 shipping. That's a weighted ergonomic razor handle, five precision engineered blades with lube strip and trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel, and a travel blade cover. Like what you hear? Great! Go to harrys.com fool. Right now, that's harrys.com/fool. All right, 
Let's look a little harder at Orbital ATK and see what we find. The first thing I see is I see this phrase in the press release announcing Northrop Grumman's purchase of Orbital ATK. This came just after Wes Bush, the chairman, chief executive officer, and president of Northrop Grumman, uttered some other words about very being pleased for customers, shareholders, employees, etc. And here's the phrase, quote, and to generate estimated annual pre-tax cost savings of $150 million by 2020, end quote. In other words, obvious cost savings. Yes, there's some overlap between the space and launch and aero defense business of Orbital ATK and what Northrop Grumman's doing. Although Northrop Grumman likes some of the new things that Orbital ATK brings, but when you think about it from a CEO's standpoint, you're seeing some cost savings here. So when you can find a business like Orbital ATK that may be already doing in some cases what you're doing, but maybe better or in a more interesting way, all of a sudden you see cost savings and that can be a good reason. I can only imagine the investment bankers talking about how again, that phrase annual pre-tax cost savings of $150 million by 2020. So, that's something that I see right off the top right here, number one. Number two, when a company owns a niche, that makes them much more attractive to others. We talked last week about the lead husky and the view never changing. When you're the lead husky, you're also more attractive to others that will never catch you on your Iditarod challenge. They'll never catch you. They may not even be in the challenge, but they admire that you're out front and leading. Now, I don't know the ins and outs of Orbital ATK's business well enough or very specifically. I'm not even sure for these kinds of companies whether the average person can get to know all that they're doing, because I'm sure some of it is defense-related and might even be secret. But what I can tell you is that Orbital ATK lists itself, quote, as a global leader in aerospace and defense technologies, designing, building, delivering space, defense, and aviation systems for customers around the world, end quote. I can't say that they're the world leader here, but we can certainly say that they're a leader. But rather than just use them as the only example, let me give two other companies that have come to mind, both of which were stock picks of mine that were bought out years ago. One is Pixar. I bet you know Pixar. It's the wonderful animated family entertainment studio that Disney, of course, bought years ago. And Pixar was a clear lead husky, a clear leader in what it was doing. DreamWorks Animation, a competitor, was also trying to do some of the same thing and succeeding as well, movies like Shrek. But really, Pixar was the big dog and the initiator with Steve Jobs as the CEO, Toy Story, Bugs Life, I can't do them in order from there, but Toy Story 2, Monsters, Inc., Up, loved Up. These are all great movies, and they were that was Pixar. So, they were definitely a leader in a niche. And another company that comes to mind, and another pleasurable consumer experience for me, was Keurig Green Mountain Coffee Roasters. So, Keurig Green Mountain, which was clearly the leader in the fast-serve, one-cup, home machine industry that it so dominated, that it really initiated, uh, at least here in the United States of America. So, those are good examples of lead huskies where others, and in the case of Kurt Green Mountain, bought out by a private investor group, JAB Holdings, which I'll be mentioning again a little bit later. But clearly, they saw the attractiveness of the leadership position. So, that's, that's number two. The third trait I think we can see when we look hard at Orbital ATK and then induce from there is I would say lots of dynamism in its industry and probably lots of consolidation related to that. So if you think about some of the sex appeal of space 
and what it can mean for all of us and the growing business that's happening there. Maybe it started out as satellites, but now we start thinking about even mining or trips to Mars or tourism. All of these things are starting to become possible. Um, you can see the excitement and dynamism. You think about SpaceX and all of the publicity that Elon Musk gets in his affiliation with SpaceX and all that it's really, frankly, doing these days, partnering with NASA, multi-billion-dollar kinds of deals. Um, this is a big, important space. We're still early on. When you see this kind of dynamism, often you're going to see some consolidation. You're going to see the smaller guys, the smaller hotel chains, if you will, get eaten up by some of the bigger guys, because they're all jockeying for position in what will maybe one day become an oligopoly, a rule by a few large firms. Like If you think about social media today, there are lots of different sites, but it's kind of, in some ways, coming down to things like Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter. There aren't that many Instagram. There aren't that many really big Snap. There are some. I can probably name a few more. You could too, right along with me. But it's still going to end up probably further consolidating. And in an earlier version of the world that I grew up in, there were just kind of a few big TV networks: ABC, NBC, CBS. Then Fox kind of came online. Yeah, you could throw in PBS, but I mean, it was kind of an oligopoly, and that's often how things play out as they mature. So again, lots of dynamism, lots of consolidation. Orbital ATK, the space play probably better positioned than companies that would be in other industries that aren't as dynamic. So, uh, What's another company that quickly comes to mind as benefiting from this? Well, maybe a surprising name, but let's go with Panera. Panera, surprising in that it doesn't sound that exciting or dynamic, it's Panera. It's the, the Wi-Fi, it's people camped out with soup all day on their laptops. And if you're probably the head of that local Panera, you're like, we need to move some of these people off the tables and get away from the fireplace because they're having too good a time and not quite spending enough money. But what Panera ended up doing and what did make it dynamic, and it got bought out by JAB Holdings, the aforementioned company that also bought out Kerr Green Mountain. Panera, another of my stock picks, this in Motley Fool Stock Advisor. I know Stock Advisor members, you're there with me. Panera, a recent buyout, but it was bought out, I think, in large part because Panera was innovating so well with digital ordering. And in a world where the same store sales and comps for the restaurant industry have kind of been in decline, companies like Domino's Pizza, and in this case, Panera, that are really cracking the nut of how to do online ordering really well, those companies are dynamic, and there is some consolidation, some attractiveness there. So, that's attribute number three. So, attribute number four, as we look hard at Orbital ATK and say, what else, peeling back the layers of the onion here, what else do we see in Orbital ATK that maybe Northrop Grumman and its previously less well-known CEO, Wes Bush, what did they see in this? And I'm going to say number four, they saw that there was no strong, obvious founder. So, when you have companies that are founder-led, often with one person or a family controlling a large stake, those, it seems to me, are less likely to be bought out. If you're playing the game of Acquire, and you see a hotel chain with that kind of attribute and that kind of branding, not that it actually happens in the board game of Acquire, but if you did, you might not want to buy too many shares if you're hoping to get bought out, if you're one of those things. So, companies that have a family or a founder behind it, maybe some history, maybe some ego, they're much less likely to sell their baby out than, by contrast, a company that doesn't have any recognizable founder or family, that may have nobody who owns even 1% of the stock anymore. These companies, it seems to me, are much more likely to be acquired, just because 
they're a little simpler to acquire. Yes, there are probably a ton of shares out there. If they're a company that's so widely institutionally held, there are probably a lot of shares. But there's also not a lot of complexity or ego sometimes to who's actually thinking, do I want to be bought out? So I think that's definitely true of Orbital ATK. It's a company, as I'd mentioned on last week's podcast, it itself had merged just a couple of years ago, uh, and no big shareholders of Orbital ATK. And if I if I think about another recent buyout, another stock that was one of my recommendations that in the last year or two this has happened quite a lot actually, has been bought out NXP Semiconductor. NXP Semiconductor, the Dutch company, a semiconductor company that was a leader in near field communications, which was basically. Um, when your phone is near a cash register, magical things start to happen through near-field communications. This company was bought out by Qualcomm last year. And here again, there was no controlling stake. There was no dominant investor. Nobody owned 5% or more of the shares. Kind of also sort of a more generic name, NXP Semi. Orbital ATK. Maybe I should add another attribute, which is if there's just some random acronym somewhere in the corporate name, it seems to me more likely that it might be bought out. But that's, I guess, just a funny side note. Okay, so that's number four, which brings me to my final fifth trait or attribute that I see in Orbital ATK and the events of the past week that might help us think about what else would be acquired in future. Let's go with, I'm just going to call it the big asset. The big asset, and I can think of off the top of my head two kinds of examples here. No doubt there are others. When I look specifically at Orbital ATK, I made light of this last week. The company has a huge backlog, so the company has a backlog of over fifteen billion dollars, which means they're forward contracted for fifteen billion dollars of business on their books. It's right there, and they just need to deliver it in the coming years. So, if you're an inquisitor, doesn't that sound a lot more attractive to you than if their backlog was zero, and they're trying to figure out from one year to the next what their business is going to be? So, this is a very attractive, I would call it a quote, big asset, end quote. And another example from a completely different context of a big asset is yet another one of my companies that got bought out at a premium years ago, and that's Marvel, Marvel Studios. So it's been a tremendous stock. I'm so glad that Disney bought them and that we've held all the way through. It's ended up being one of the best investments of my life. In fact, I think I was mentioning this in recent months' podcasts. I was on Motley Fool Answers. Um, I was also on Patrick O'Shaughnessy's Invest Like the Best. I was mentioning Marvel some. We bought it at a time when its market capitalization was $170 million, and the original Spider-Man movie that was out that year was grossing well in excess of the company's entire market cap. Anyway, Marvel got bought out, but what was the big asset there? Well, to me, the big asset was all of those characters. Something like, I think Marvel numbered it, I'm going to say 4,700 is how many characters are in the Marvel Comics universe. So, that's a big asset. When you're Disney, you're not just buying Spider-Man and the Hulk and the Avengers and the X-Men, yes, but you're also buying 3,000 more possibilities. Old superheroes that you and I may not have even heard of that might get refurbished or made more relevant in a new era. So, Disney has now, having bought Marvel, has a big asset with all those stories and characters that it could make money off of in future years. So, that's kind of the big asset. Another quick example as we move toward closing here this week is, yep, another rule breaker recommendation of mine that's been bought out, in this case in the last 18 months as well, and that's a company called Digital Globe. And Digital Globe had 
a lot of satellite imagery. Had images of our planet, all kinds of data looking down from its satellites. Digital Globe is the name of the company, after all. And so you were buying a digitalized view of the globe when you bought Digital Globe. Oh, you bought a little bit more than just that, but those are all big assets. And that's the fifth attribute that I see as we inductively reason toward what might be bought out in future. Okay, I hope you enjoyed that at times digressive, but I hope ultimately rewarding, fun look at what was happening with Orbital ATK, why it got bought out in the last week since our last week's podcast, but what, more importantly, we can see there that might help us think smarter about investing in future. And so, let me close with a little bit of a story. And it's a story that has some irony in it, which is why I like this story. So, of all the stocks that I've ever picked, Motley Fool Stock Advisor and Motley Fool Rule Breakers, only one of them did I explicitly write into the buy report when I made the recommendation, in this case, on May 21st of 2004. Only once did I ever say, I think these guys are going to get bought out. And yes, even in that report, I began to explain the board game of Acquire within that. So, only once in my history as a stock picker have I actually done that and went there. The company was Priceline. Priceline Group, the stock that day traded at $23.74, split adjusted, 23.74. And what I said at the time was, this is one of those failed dot coms. It's coming out of the ashes. It's still going. It's public. William Shatner is still doing his funny commercials. But what I said at the time is, this number four player in the travel space, which is what Priceline was at that moment, is likely in my mind, I said, to get bought out by one of the larger players in this emerging oligopoly. And the irony is that not only did Priceline never get bought out, it's still independent today, but it went on to become the number three, then the number two. It bought Booking.com, the big booker for Europe. It got started in the Far East. All of a sudden, Priceline became the number one player in the industry. So, the only time I ever directly said, I think this will get bought out, and began quoting the rules of acquire, it never did happen, but it wound up being one of the greatest stock picks I will ever make. From that day, Priceline is now up 7,665%. That means it's gone from $23.74 to $1,843.20 as I tape this podcast today. That's a 77 bagger. And I guess it's worth noting, six years later, after it had advanced from 23 to 193, I decided, even though it's an eight bagger, I said in 2010, I'm going to re recommend this stock. And that purchase is up 853% versus the market's 160% over the same time. So I was proving once again, it's worth thinking about adding to your winners. Anyway, that's the only way I could think to end this episode by pointing out the irony that. One of my greatest stock picks I had the wrong thesis for. But I guess the good news is, when you buy to hold and find quality, you can be wrong with your initial suppositions, but still wildly more right than you ever would have thought of with the results that you get. Okay, three housekeeping notes to close. The first one is if you enjoyed this meditation, if you will, on buyouts, I've done it once before. Some different thoughts, but you might enjoy going back. May 18, 2016. That was the Rule Breaker Investing Podcast when I last thought about buyouts. It's entitled How to Spot a Potential Buyout. It has some different thoughts there, but more for you if you're interested in this topic. 
And while there, you can check out our flagship service, Motley Fool Stock Advisor and Motley Fool Rule Breakers, are my other service, after which this podcast is named. New stock recommendations every month from me, and in the case of Stock Advisor, my brother Tom as well. You can check it out by going to the Podcast Center, scroll to the bottom of the page. That's podcasts.fool.com. And then third and final, what are we going to do next week? And here's something I've learned as of last week. It's good luck to say, I don't know. We'll see. Fool on. As always, people on this program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So, don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. Learn more about Rule Breaker Investing at rbi.fool.com.